and welcome to Good Show, the podcast helping you answer one of the most daunting questions in television. What am I watching next? I'm Anthony Mako. And I'm Brandon Sharp. On this episode of Good Show, we are discussing Friday Night Lights. Friday Night Lights is sort of the little show that couldn't. Perhaps that's what happens when you develop a show that's based on a movie of the same name that's based on a book of the same name. That's right. Peter Berg developed the movie after reading the book by H.G. Bissinger. He then went on to write and direct the pilot of the show. Now, none of that is a black eye on the show, but it does sort of demonstrate the issues with naming things the same name that all have very different feels. Friday Night Lights is the story of a fictional Texas town. The show is about much more than football, but because it takes place in a small West Texas town, football is the medium for self-exploration for each of the characters. It is certainly a coming-of-age story and deals with so many adolescent and cultural issues, but its uniqueness comes in this way. The way the town takes high school football a little too seriously really means the coming-of-ageness of the show is sort of on steroids, which certainly increases the stakes and the drama. But in many ways, this show is just a family show about the Taylor family. That's Eric and Tammy, not the Toolman. Them trying to make an impact on a small Texas town. That's probably one of the beauties of this show. It's got a little something for everyone. It originally aired on NBC in 2006, but I did mention it was the little show that couldn't. It wasn't terribly successful right away, and the writer's strike really destroyed the end of season two. Those two things forced it to be moved to air straight to direct TV for the final three seasons, although it was re-aired on NBC in the off-seasons. It can now be enjoyed on Netflix. Brandon, let's talk Friday Night Lights. I feel like I'm super confused now. I didn't know any of that. Here's the thing. I know I put all that in there and then I was like, that is confusing. But like, I actually knew a lot of that as I was going because I watched it a lot earlier. Than it's you. important yeah. to know. I mean, I'm, I'm glad I know that now, but well, you can feel, I think you can feel the direct TV-ness hit season three oh, and then follow it through. Yeah. So basically, as I understand it, what happened was NBC just was about to bail on it, but they decided, and eh, we'll give the show a little something. It had sort of a cult following, and then they passed it off to air straight to some direct TV channel, but there was a deal where they just kept re-airing it, like in the summer okay. when they didn't have other shows going on. Gotcha. But obviously, the production budget went down, all that different stuff. So I feel like you can really feel that season three and four and five are all sort of direct TV seasons. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, now that you say that for sure. Um, the whole passing it back and forth, sorry to jump in right now, but I'm, your uh, intro has just got me, got all these thoughts. No, that's right. These thoughts going back and forth, the whole book to movie to TV show and which details he decided to keep from the movie to the TV show. Like yeah. uh, the the movie is the permian panthers right and this is the dylan panthers and i don't even remember the name of the yeah i don't I remember the name of the team i think it's permian and i don't know it was just it's just a lot of like kept some details some details are different yeah but also but also i really think the movie and the show have such a different feel yeah. like they're so different I feel like that really probably hurt the show badly mm-hmm. when, you know, people who, you know, maybe people who like the movie checked out the show and were like, oh, this is a little cheesy for me because the show is p- potentially more cheesy. And people who didn't like the movie are like, I'm not checking out a show 
uh, that's like a movie that I didn't like. You know, it was just like tied it to something that it was sort of unnecessary to tie it to. Mm-hmm. Except, I mean, it was tied to it because Peter Berg did both of them. Yeah, so, exactly. Yeah. Uh, it's, yeah. It's really the interesting. The movie's very much a tragedy, I feel like. It's, tra- uh-huh. it's, tra- oh, yeah. it's tragic. And I feel yeah. like there's really only like a character who feels like he could fit in the movie a little bit, you know, yes. like a, a, a lot of this is more hopeful, more optimistic than mm-hmm. quite a bit more than the movie. So I believe you basically just watched this show. Cause I recommended it to yeah. you. And I think on the podcast last scene, like real time, everyone heard kind of how that went down. I believe that was all like all aired, which was that I suggested it to you. You sort of thought it was a little more teeny. Yeah. Yeah. That's uh, right. Th- yeah. That's- uh, but then, uh, yeah. So then you decided to give it a show. I cannot, I can't remember me first finding this show, but I believe it was one of those situations where, um, I, I remember watching it in my house in Beaver Creek actually. So it was rough, you know, it was somewhere between it was, it was probably on at the time, but I never watched it live. Okay. But I think it was sort of the beginning of the streaming show streaming services. And so I, that's where I found it on one of those streaming services and just kind of really got hooked right away. How about like, um, let me first I'd be it. Yeah. I'd be interested to know your feelings as you got into the show. So let me first say, I'm so glad I watched this show. I love yeah, this. Good. I love this show. So good. put that aside for a second. There couldn't have been a show. I wanted to watch less than this. Uh, my, oh, yeah. my wife loves this show. I think it was last year. Sometime she watched through the whole thing and I would pop in occasionally. I felt like it has a, it has kind of a low budget feel. So like that wasn't uh-huh. really getting me. And I wasn't really interested in any of the characters. I'm not like a huge, I wasn't like a huge Kyle Chandler fan. I'm, I'm definitely, I'm definitely a huge (laughs) Kyle Chandler fan now, but I wasn't really then or Connie Britton, you know, they weren't, you know, wasn't really a draw there. And so it just felt like teens and I would see like angsty relationship stuff going on. I feel like I would just pop in at terrible, terrible moments. Yeah. 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 So if you picked the wrong time, it could be a horrible show. I mean, yeah. Yeah. I completed the verse, the whole first season. That's what did it for me. And Mm -hmm. that's what keeps you coming back is I I needed to feel something for these characters. I needed to make this show my own and in some way. And I feel like it took a full, a full season to Mm. do that because Mm -hmm. I got locked in there and then, yeah, two's a little funky three, four, five. They don't really go along with, mm-hmm. I mean, like season one is in many ways, like the perfect season, but I ended mm-hmm. up liking some of the later stuff more because I, I really was in love with the characters at that point. So, yeah, I mean, I'm going to say this right now. It's probably a discussion for a little bit later, but it's really funny as I was sort of like reviewing it, looking at the show. It's funny how much stuff they try to jam into season one. As you oh. watch season one, they try and throw every issue at you in season it's one. It's like packed. it's like they thought we have one season to get everything in. Yep. <laughs> I kept thinking, like, there's so many times during season one where I'm like, I'll just give you a, a sort of generic example, but like Smash got in trouble for something, got forgiven by the coach, and then like they, they kind of spend two episodes working it out and get forgiven. He turns around and just like does something again the next, ep- like to ruin everything. It's like... <laughs> <laughs> you were just forgiven. Like he just gave you another chance. Why are you doing this again? It was yeah. like, it is a, it is a good point. Uh, I think something that is these network dramas, 22 episodes, yeah, 22 yes. episodes yes. to do whatever, walk any storyline you want out, you know, do a U-turn, do a couple backflips and then yeah. kind of make your way towards the conclusion. You can do yeah, you have so much time to do whatever. Yeah, but you probably know how you want to start it and how you want to end it. Mm-hmm. And then you might have some like ups and downs along the way. But 
at 22 episodes, you know, you probably have maybe 10 10 in your head <laughs> and then you, you're just making stuff up for yep. the other 10 just yeah. like, oh, well, we got to get a we got to get a roller coaster going. So Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I love it too. It's uh I think maybe early on it was a bit of a guilty pleasure and it's now I don't know, it's not guilty at all. I just I just really like this show generally. Okay, let's uh, let's say what what sort of show is this? And let me you can answer that, but also let me mention this. I remember in Ted Lasso, I brought up Friday Night Lights as maybe the only sports drama TV show I could think of. Yeah, Friday Night Lights I think is very much a drama, not dramedy. But it was sort of like I can't think of very, and even since I made that comment in Ted Lasso, I can't think of very many sports drama shows out there. Yeah, and I I think I pointed out that you were you were describing scripted sports shows. Yes, and you then were so nice and said, "Yeah, I know there's sports on TV." Yeah, <laughs> yes, I, that is right. That's <laughs> and I didn't right realize there. that's what happened until later when I was listening to the episode. So I love catching stuff. I probably edited that one weeks later. I love it. It's awesome. I will also say since that conversation of of, a good friend of mine brought up to me after listening to the episode said, well, what about sports night? Cause obviously, and I said, there's no sports in sports night. We, you, well, I don't know if who else we, you and I have had a conversation that sports need to be played in. You need to be, you need to see sports being played Yes, for it to be a show about sports. Yeah, sports night's not about sports no, at all. It's about a news. It's about a yeah. news team. Yeah. <laughs> Who was that? Out them? No, I'm not going to out oh, Todd. Okay. Okay. I hear you, Todd. I think he was just taking an opportunity to try and uh, throw a Sorkin trip, jab at me. Trip, yeah. Unfortunately, trip, yeah, he whiffed. <laughs> okay. So anyway, after saying all that, what kind of a show is this? Like a really low budget network drama. I, I know that sounds mean. But it doesn't, I'm not trying to be mean when I say that. I, it just feels like they filmed this whole thing in a couple of different locations. The The thing it has going for it is it's not, it's not presented like a documentary, but no. it could easily be a documentary about this, yeah. this town's football It could just be like an early, I don't know when this was filmed. I, I guess that's- 2006 is when it first okay. aired. Because so. I'm thinking it could just have like an early feel to it, like just like early television. I mean, that could be what I'm thinking of. Well, it's not that early tele- yeah. of it, television. It just has a it has a lower a, a lower level network drama feel to it, you know. Yeah, and also, I mean, it doesn't look as good as The West Wing, and West Wing's a oh, lot that's older. True. Than it. So, like, go. it's not it's not the age of the show. I don't that's think. true. But I also don't think they minded the documentary type feel because of what it was. Man, first season feels so different than all the other seasons. Yeah, I agree with that. A lot of the like the interviews, and there's just so much. There's so many different like things happening in the first season. Yeah. Um, the interview. I'm, okay. I might as well just bring these up as they come up naturally. The things that drive me nuts. Yeah. Small things. You're telling me Dylan has a TV channel. Well, they're supposed to be the number one team in the nation, right? Sure. But they have a TV channel. It's a small Texas, West Texas town. They have their own TV channel. I didn't have a problem believing that there are things way way harder to, to swallow than well i'm just bringing them up as they come that's up fine. but like i would i would equate it to the size of springfield springfield has like dayton tv they don't have like they don't Dale. have like a local anything they lo- don't have springfield tv okay because dayton does have like a local station well dayton where- does but i think dayton would be a lot bigger than dylan would be supposed to be yeah i did love the radio announcerness of it all oh, throughout yeah. the whole thing there sammy was, mead he, that was good i like yeah, that's that cool bit. yeah yeah. Um, he ends up being sort of a narrator. Yeah. Um, 
in a way. And it's fantastic. He's the, he's the sports radio talk show host, and 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 he ends up when they need to cut to a narration, it'll just be like him narrating through it in a very natural way. Had some Moneyball vibes. Uh huh. Which uh, was something I really liked. There's, you know, well, the soundtrack had a lot, which is great. But that's like, true too. The the they might be giants slash uh, explosions in the sky. Nature of the soundtrack is very. I mean, specifically, like the radio announcer. There was some of that in in Moneyball, but anyway, sure, it was just a very small part in Moneyball, and it was I don't know, but it was cool though in this for sure. Yeah. So yeah, no, I agree. Network drama, but also certainly like quite unique in the in the sense that it's a sports drama on a TV show, which I think is very interesting. And this show, though. Even though it is a sports drama, it's completely character driven. There's several different conversations I think we can have about characters because so number one, just you may not even know this, but there's different tiers of characters. One is there's these people who you knew from the past that kind of draw you in like a Kyle Chandler who like I watched on early edition when I was growing up, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. I've, I've had this conversation several times lately. Early edition was the show where the cat and the newspaper showed up every morning and he would like find out tomorrow's news and try and fix it before it happened. That might've been on TGIF. I don't remember. Oh, really? It was, no, you know what it was? It was after like touch. It was in the Dr. Quinn oh, touched by an angel. Uh, diagnosis it, murder. Yeah. I think it was that night. Oh, and that was kind of the, the Christian t- night. It's when the Christians came. Yeah. Out. <laughs> it's true. Yeah. But there's a, yeah. To watch but touched the, by an angel and, and oh, like, for sure. But also the, uh, yeah, the Christians love Chuck Norris. <laughs> that, yeah. Walker. Yeah, absolutely. Was <laughs> he was on yeah. that too. Yeah. Loved him. Matlock. Matlock. What? Maybe I'm mixing my metaphors here. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think Christians love I just Matlock. Made, I just made a, <laughs> what? They do. <laughs> Maybe they do. Love Andy know. Griffith. Uh, okay. So anyway, yeah. Also, dang it. What's Tammy, Tammy Taylor's name again? Connie Sorry. Britton. Connie Britton. You know, she comes in as a sort of a powerhouse character. Yeah. Not only that, but you got... I'm sorry, man. I'm blanking on all these. Jesse Plemons. There it is. Jesse Mm -hmm. Plemons. Like that's, he's one of my favorite actors now. He's so good. And he sort of first showed up in this show and also like Michael B. Jordan. That's Mm -hmm. huge. Mm -hmm. Uh, Sort of, I don't know that this was what set Michael B. Jordan off, but certainly like it was early in his career and you've got all that. And then you've got these characters that are sort of got stuck getting typecast like Taylor Kitsch playing, playing Tim Riggins. Like, I mean, Tim Riggins is maybe the most iconic character on this show besides coach Taylor. Coach Taylor is pretty iconic, but I, I almost think Tim Riggins is bigger than him. So, poor Taylor Kitsch for playing such an iconic character. Cause now he's stuck. Yeah. It may be because he's not that strong of an actor, but at the same time, it might just be because he's such an, he played such an iconic character that he can't really escape it. You know, I, I don't know what your opinion on that. I've seen him in a few things and I do get this like, Oh, he's sleazy though. So it's fine type vibe, which uh-huh. to me, that feels like these people didn't really finish Friday night lights. Then it's, it is really a shame because the character of Tim Riggins has got so much heart, you know, like mm-hmm. it'd be super mm-hmm. lazy to write him off as like a sleazy character. Uh, but I feel like, yeah, he's gotten typecast as like someone with no backbone and who will backstab you and kind of, betr- you know, just easy to betray. And um, yeah, like dirtbag, dirtbag, dirtbag is exactly yeah. the, what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. So, well, the poor guy's got just such a good body. You know, he <laughs> it, just it, gets, he gets, they did t- take like the, the lazy approach with some of the typecasting though. Yeah, for sure. No, that's a great point, actually. Yeah. And then you got some you got some people that just didn't like didn't really go anywhere. They did fine in the show, but they didn't really go anywhere. Like 
There is this though. We've seen this theme in a couple of the shows we've watched. There is this like adult level narrative going on. And then there's like the level below, like the younger story uh-huh. happening, uh-huh. like the, the, the high school, like the football guys and like the high school. And this one almost has like a third, like there's like the older football guy story going on, uh-huh. like with, you know, Lila Garrity and Jason street and those guys. And then there's like the lower, which would be like Julie Taylor mm-hmm. and, you know, Landry and Matt Saracen. So there's really like three, at least in the early, the first season, there's like three levels of like stories going on at once, which I really liked. I thought it worked well, Uh huh. even though it feels jam packed. Like that first season feels like a ton of stuff. There is a lot of good story going on in there. Yeah. The only problem with that is, which we're going to have a lengthy discussion about this later, but good. the only problem with that is like you come to find out Tim Riggins is the exact same age as Julie well, Taylor. Or he's only one year older, you know, and like there's some inconsistencies they didn't really carry through that. I think the inconsistencies, I think they created the problems later. I think they didn't start in the first season, but anyway. Oh, no, no, no. I agree with that. I agree with that. If they would have carried it through, it would have been fine. Yeah. Yeah. It was like um, they were struggling to keep all these actors involved somehow. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly right. Yeah. So, okay. But. Uh, we didn't even get to our normal question, which is like, who stands out? Who, who, who's doing a great job on this show? I could go down the line and I mean, eat like even like an understated character, like Matt Saracen is playing this nervous kid yeah. to a T like he's yes. knocking it out of a park out of the yes. park. He's young dude gets thrust into the limelight, gets ton of responsibility heaped on his shoulder shoulders. He's also like the, the head of his household at home, his dad's away and, you know, in Iraq. And it's just like, he's so good. I mean, the easy choices are, are Tim Riggins, Eric Taylor, Tammy Taylor. Like, yes, yeah, they're the yeah. big, they're the big three. Yes. And they're probably my favorite, but there are so many good little things that happen with some of the other characters. I would say Landry Clark, Jesse Plemons carried me at least like humor wise through the yep. first season. Yep. Like yep. he, yep. he starts to irritate me a little bit as we get go on. Like his last season felt like he was maybe in the show one season too long. Like it, uh-huh. he just didn't quite fit in like that. Some of the later story. Right. But in the first man, he is so funny and he just, the way he responds and he plays this kid who's a bit of a, you know, outcast, I guess, but man, just on point as far as humor goes. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, and going back, let me hit Matt Saracen real quick. Yeah, um, yep. One thing he does so well, the, what's the actor's name again? Sorry. Zach Guilford. I've heard an interview with Zach Guilford and he, he sort of, all of a sudden I was like, oh my gosh, this guy's killing it because the way he mumbles. That's super helpful. As if he were a high schooler yeah. is I've, I, he doesn't do that when he talks. So the way he kind of like, you can hear him do it. It's, it's once you hear how he actually talks and the choices he made, it's not like insane acting choices, not like a British accent, but the, he sort of turned high school Texas into an accent, yeah. which was cr- I just thought I, I thought it was very cool. And other people do that too in the show, but I thought that was really cool when I finally saw that. I just kind of assumed that's how he talked, but it's not. Can, can I'm going to ask you about somebody specific, uh, Julie Taylor. What are your thoughts on Julie Taylor? Because I'm around some strong opinions on Julie Taylor. Everybody I know hates Julie Taylor. <laughs> yeah, I probably should have been more irritated with her than I was. I ended up not caring a whole lot. What you know, it sure. just. It just ended up being what, like, this is nonsense. There, there was a lot of dumb story around Julie Taylor. I thought, sure, I, I didn't yeah. hate her. I did not my, hate her. Yeah, my counter argument like, is like Leah always says, Julie Taylor's so annoying. I'm like, you mean like a 15 year old girl would be? <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, yeah, I'm there. Yes, I agree. I just feel like 
that doesn't mean she has to take every opportunity to make the worst decision possible. Have you met a 15 year old girl? Not every (laughs) opportunity. She was at every turn. I think it's such a stark. There is like a one. She does like a 180. She's like this. Well, maybe she was just a sleeper, you know, and we didn't know it, but she does like this like sweet little girl and she's going to the football games and she's agreeable. I don't know. It just seems like at some point she's like, bam. And she is just out to rebel. I don't know. Just felt a little clunky, but yeah, 15 year old girl. I'm there on that. Okay, We're, so let's move on to story. Real quick. Sorry. Yeah, hit it. Hit it now. Because this is this is the character stew here. Yeah. You know, we, we got to- <laughs> yeah, Of course, let it brew. Buddy Garrity. Uh-huh. What do you think? What? How'd you feel? What is your- uh, you've, Now, you've watched the show quite a bit. Do what you, do I think of the character or what do I think of- Not the acting. Not the actor. Not the- Okay, The character yeah, yeah. in the show. The character. Yeah. Uh, I think he fits really well, pretty much can't stand the guy, but as a character, I mean, he is sort of what I would imagine West Texas football star, yeah. former football star, now booster, you know, all that stuff. He, that character makes a lot of sense to me, I guess. I ended up really loving his character. Oh, I, yeah. I, I yeah. really like felt for the guy. His season one character, because it, it's he it does so, many, so much changing over the course of this of this show, mm-hmm. but his season one character, and I'll take it a step further, his early season one character, like given, given uh, coach Taylor, the business end of all these, you know, uh-huh. booster discussions and all that is, he's in the movie. He's in Friday Night Lights, the movie, and that's his character in the movie. Just real oh. like, Hey, you better watch yourself. You're going to be out on, you know, out in the cold, that kind of thing. So I like that. That's kind of where we started. And then we ended up, they had a, they developed a friendship coach Taylor yeah, for and, sure, for and buddy, sure. Garrett, yeah. buddy Garrity. And I loved, I ended up really loving that friendship. Yeah, no, I agree with that for sure. And I do, I do really like the progression of him. There, there's certain things. It's kind of like, well, I mean, and there's a lot of this in the show where, where it takes characters who have really messed up in some certain way uh-huh. and you sort of fight with like, Oh, they try and win you back to them. Mm-hmm. That is that does seem very much like life. Although then you confuse that with the like drama on steroids that's going on. It's like, well, if this person did that, I'm not sure I would just like really <laughs> like them as a person very much. But yeah. um, I'm willing to forgive the fake person in the show. But I'd be pretty mad if they did that to me in real life. You yeah. know, something like that. It's a weird, confusing thing that goes on. So okay, how about um, story? Yeah. I think you have to sort of look at this in a couple different ways, which is like a long view of the entire series and where the story goes in the series. And then if you, if you cut up into short little seasons or like, f- I'm almost thinking like first season, how do we feel about this progression of the story, even in just the first season? Well, the thing about the first season is I feel like you, you think the show is all about football. Yep. And it's absolutely not. No. Like when you, t- when you step back and get that wide angle view. Yeah. That is where, if we're talking about the story, I feel like it it feels like a better story if you step back and kind of get the, the overall picture. Mm-hmm. If you get the microscopic view, if you really get up there and get in Friday Night Lights business, it's messy. Yeah. You know, it's got some, I think story, it's, story-wise, it's got some issues. But I think it's a very heartwarming tale when you kind of step back, see the whole picture. You know, after I finished the show, I was like, that was something very special. Uh-huh. And um, I will agree, season one is feels like very complete. It's almost like its own package. But again, I don't feel like it reflects the overall series as a whole, which is mm-hmm. much more about the characters and their lives. 
I really like how you put all that stuff. I agree with you. I also, though, feel like season one, the story is pretty consistent, makes a lot of sense, and mm-hmm. sort of yeah. and and bounces off a football rhythm. Like, mm-hmm. um, like this is how a season would progress, and then also this life progresses along with it at the same time. And then after season one, we start making some real weird choices with the story, <laughs> and you start getting into yeah. You start getting into decisions you got to contort yourself to get back from. I don't know how to put this without spoiling anything, but like we make a decision at the end of season one and then it's like, well, we got to get back to the way it was when like that seems Mm -hmm. to happen a little bit in every season where like, oh shoot, we wanted to insert a lot of drama on the season turn. And then we, now we got to bend ourselves around to get like, I didn't literally, I'm like, did you think you were done after season one? It felt like a flame. Yeah. Like they were just ready. Just let's take this puppy down in flames. We're just going to, you know, let's just blow (laughs) it up. Yeah. And then it was like, oh, we got to go in there, pick up the pieces and try to figure out what we're going to do with season two. Yeah. So much stuff. So much retconning, so much just plug uh-huh. and play, like just like the erector set, just like, oh, we'll put that one there. You know, yes, just, it yes. was just, it was messy transitions, messy. Yeah. And then also, I mean, the, the problem and like, that's what I sort of mentioned in the intro, which was the, the flame out at the end of season one, then the really bad luck of the writer, like season two ends horribly Yeah, uh, just because they basically lop off. I forget how many episodes are in season two. It might be like 15 or something like that, but it's, they lop off the end of season two because the writers went on strike. Then they pick up season three and they basically try and catch you up in like three minutes about everything that happened at the end of just season two that they never wrote. Yeah. In, the, <laughs> yeah. in the very, yeah, it was, I was, I thought I missed a chunk of episodes exactly. somehow. Yeah, well, that's what it feels like. Well, you did sort of, yeah. I didn't know season two was ending and season three was starting. And I was like, what on earth happened? I mean, without ruining anything, there's just some stuff with some characters and I don't know. Yeah, it was just, it was very messy. Yeah, but I like that you point out that if you zoom out, it's a really nice story over oh, the yeah. course of five seasons. Yeah. Oh yeah. And I think, I think that's the thing you start rooting for it. It's like yours. It's like, it's like mine uh-huh. now. Like, I feel like I've made it my own. I don't have to explain myself to myself anymore. You know, like sure. it is one of my uh, favorite shows now. So because of that, I'm fine with the messiness. Like I'm, I'm fine with stuff that doesn't, I'm, I don't have to sit here and make sense of everything, you know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Because yeah. there's not an explanation for some of this stuff. There is just not like it was, just, well, literally like writer strike that would, you can chalk up tons of stuff to that. Yes. You know, yeah. so as soon as you kind of get past that and start and st- stop being mad and stop trying to figure it all out, just a very heartwarming tale. And I also think so, like turning to writing, I think the dialogue is really good. So uh, our story, like arcs have maybe have issues, but it's very heartfelt. That That's what I think the strength of the show is. The writing is so heartfelt, even though it's within the context of a gruff sport or whatever, like a, I think one thing that could have been hard to navigate is conversations that adults have with kids and, you know, and specifically like when they are giving them advice, because I feel like absolutely kids have gotten some bad advice from guidance counselors and coaches and Uh stuff like that. I just, I feel like they did a pretty good job writing these conversations. Mm -hmm. There's, there's a lot of them. There's tons of them coach to player guidance counselor to, you know, graduating senior, a lot of good advice. I, I felt like that, that part was pretty much on the money. Um, every single one of coach Taylor's pep talks was 
great. Oh, yeah. A lot of good writing here. I could deduct some points in certain places, but I, I loved most of it most of the time. Okay, Brandon, you just actually brought up something a minute ago that made me think of, of a question that I popped in here, which is, who is the audience of this show? Do you have a clear sense of that? Because sometimes you like you were talking about like guidance counselor conversations and like trying to frame it in a way that if like a 16 year old kid were watching the show, they would learn a good lesson from what the coach yeah, sure. says or the guy. But I actually sort of have always gotten the sense that it was a little more about the parents and feeling good about the advice that was coming down the pipe. It doesn't have to be one or the other. I'm just curious no, if you have, if you sort of have an you, answer to that question. At some point, since we've been talking, you said there's something for everyone. And I think that's uh-huh. the best yeah, way yeah. to put it. Uh-huh. Like one, something that I'll say like occasionally is uh, a, whatever movie or show I'm watching is a Rorschach and it, it, it means different things to different people. And I feel like this is, even though the, the narrative themes, the, you know, the, the message is pretty simple and straightforward. Mm-hmm. I feel like there is a way for a wide range of audience or viewer to connect with this show. I wouldn't necessarily say this is for like a elder adult. Like I don't, I don't know the best term here, but this is for like the, the young adult. Sure. The, the 18 to 25, 35, you yeah. know, on, and that, that seems to be the, the wheelhouse here. Um, someone who maybe has fond memories of high school, nostalgic memories yeah, of yeah, high yeah. school, um, young kids, maybe you have high schoolers. Like, I think all that feels like the right, um, uh, I don't know that it would really hit home with like my grandparents or, you know, well, but what I think is funny about that is it's not for like a 16 year old. No, no, but it's the show is like support purportedly about 16 year olds you know what i mean like that's what's interesting about the show it's like and that's uh, why like every time i'd pop in on my wife watching i was like this is for you know uh this is for kids i don't want i don't want to be any have any part of this but i agree it's not for a 16 year old yeah that's which i just find funny but it's Mm -hmm. worth mentioning but um okay speaking of the age of uh people is the age of the actors in this show a problem for you because at many points i I feel like it is. And let me tell you why Tim Riggins was like 25 when he was <laughs> filming this season first one. Year. Yeah. Season one, he was 25. So was Tyra. So was Jason street. Scott so Porter, they, yeah, yeah they, they were all middle 20 year olds, but like Tim Riggins and like Tyra, they're like, tw- they're like mid twenties playing sophomores in high school, which is like 15 or 16 year old. Let's point out. I think this is a great place. And this isn't a spoiler. When you when the show starts, I feel like they wrote those characters as seniors. It's not ever stated. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, I think that's probably right. They're yeah. best friends with Jason Street, yes. who is one hundred percent a senior. That one you know for sure because he's yes. he's getting about to go to college. He's yeah. about to go to college, so you know he's a senior. And his best friends are Tim and Lila. So I think it's pretty fair to say that he's not. He's not hanging out with sophomores, you know, like, well, he's not. And like the star quarterback is not dating a sophomore. Even if he were the, his yeah. best friend in the whole world is not a sophomore. Right. Yeah. That's exactly right. We were playing peewee together. I think is some alliance yes. said somewhere yeah, yeah, for sure. Not yeah. two years younger. You weren't, you know? Yeah. So I feel like they get themselves into problems. And so like, yeah, when you think about it, you're like, Oh, they were actually sophomores, but it's only like that when you start getting down the 
you know, into the later seasons and they start retconning, they start shoving this stuff down your throat that has not ruins, but it kind of screws up the timeline in the first season. I think that's what happens Mm -hmm. when you're watching the first season. Everything feels okay. It feels okay, except there's just something I can't even quite put it into words, but there's something about how like old these, they don't seem like high school kids. (laughs) They do seem old. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, Um, they do. Which Matt Saracen feels like a high schooler. You sure? Yes. Yeah. Julie feels like a high schooler. Landry. Yeah. But, but not Jason street seems like a, yeah. Tom Brady. He's not, <laughs> it's like the same age as Tom. Like, but I, yeah, but I mean, I do agree with your sentiment that it's basically just like, Oh, let's, you know, buy, you buy in or you don't buy in. So like, yeah, th- we're, we're being told they're this age. So you go for it or not. But I do feel like somehow it's like puts everything on them in much more adult situations than they would actually be in the way they look at everything, the way they look at alcohol and sex and all that stuff. It's like not how a 15 year old looks at those things. It's how a middle 20 year old thinks of those things. So it's just a really interesting, if the audience of the show is like mid twenties, that's fine. And it's sort of nostalgic about how you're thinking about how your college or your high school days were. Yeah. But if the audience of the show is like 16 years old, then it sort of presses them to maybe grow up faster than you would hope they would just because they're seeing a 25 year old man do high school things and then also the show's got some issues with like so many like well there's i mean there's a situation where like a high schooler who we find out later is a sophomore but she could have been a senior actually doesn't even matter doesn't matter yeah it doesn't really matter doesn't really matter she stays in high school for three more years after this or two more years after this. Yeah. And she ends up like sleeping with a person who's clearly like 25, 26. Yeah. And she's like 15. And the only way the show is like <laughs> weird about it is that it's just sort of a one night stand and she feels crappy about it, but not the fact that it's statutory rape. Like <laughs> I feel so like, yeah, it, it's like we're, we're dealing with issues of like legality and, uh, he should have, you know, that guy should have gone to prison. I feel like yeah. though, when it happens, and this is kind of yeah. my point, when it happens, it feels like she's 18. He's maybe like fresh out of height. They feel like similar age. And so like, maybe he's like 19. And so like, it's like, that's because the actors are similar age, but they're not. I'm playing. saying though, when it happens, yeah. it doesn't feel insanely disgusting and revolting because they feel super similar age, even though like later on down the line, when they kind of change everything and they keep they keep her in the show, yeah. they're like, "Oh, she was a sophomore back then because yeah. she stayed in high school two more years after this." Yeah, like, well, I think they just wanted to keep that actress around, that character around. Yes, yeah, yeah. Anyway, I'm saying when it happens, it doesn't feel as bad as. Oh no! For <laughs> when sure, when the you seasons be- stick on, you realize yeah. how old she actually was at the time. You have to like pause and think about it to even be bothered yeah. by it. You don't feel it in the moment, but it's just like later later on, you look back and you're like, "What the heck is going on here?" There's also like the fact that Tim Riggins pretty much drinks through the whole series, like a, like a lot. Again, you feel like he's 18 in the first season. Find out later he's probably 15. Yeah, but he's like like a full beard and you know these rippling muscles. Oh yeah. I feel like though there was something to like the, like the movie gave me a little bit of context here, like how the football player was idolized in this town. And I don't, I don't feel like it would be hard for like a varsity football player to like have guys, everyone recognizes you. Anyone's going to buy you beer, buy you whatever you want. Like that's kind of how it oh, feels. Yeah, I don't, have, I don't really have a problem with that. I think that would probably be what happens. Yeah. And that's just kind of um, how it feels in the first season. Like, Oh, everyone's just, they'll do whatever for these guys. Um, I do think it's funny though. Like when there's just, well, let me ask this now. Like, uh, 
so there's people who are in love with Tim Riggins. Like yep. there, there's just so many people who are just flat out in love with Tim Riggins. We're talking like, like middle-aged women and yes. well, early to middle-aged. Yeah. There's and, the, the realtor woman who is, is, Oh no, I'm yeah, that's exactly right. That is exactly right. I'm actually talking about real life women oh, who, go, who love yeah, go this, Tim, gotcha. the character, Tim Riggins, like gotcha. sort okay. of have a weird crush on him. <laughs> but then yes, in the show, there are middle-aged women that, that love Tim Riggins. Too. Just that's a full a, range. But anyway, yeah. Okay. You're going a but, different direction so, here. Like, yes, Taylor Kitsch, like I said, good looking guy, all that stuff. But then you like zoom out and you think like, okay, like you're obsessed with somebody playing a 15 year old boy who Mm -hmm. admittedly has a wonderful body, but (laughs) it's not a 15 year old body. So it's just like, it's just really funny to have like a, a 30 year old woman being like, Oh my gosh, that's the man for me. It's 15 year old. He's always smoldering, you know, like he's just, he just (laughs) always has this brooding, uh, mysterious look on his face. He's like the guy. I mean, I'm, I'm talking as if I, I have any idea why these people had a crush on Tim Riggins, but I feel like he's like the guy that you have a crush on, but not the guy that you actually would ever want to end up with. I don't know. Sure. Of course. Yeah, of course. All right. Yeah. I also think though, yeah, I think Tim Riggins is great. And I think he's the coolest guy in the world for sure. The only problem is the only thing worse than a 15 year old girl is a 15 year old boy. Like (laughs) he's not acting like a 15 year old boy at all. He's like, yeah, that's, that's the whole thing. It's like, I'm sorry, 15 year olds. He, he acts like a year old listeners. He acts like a 25 year old guy. Yes. Really the whole show. You're like, he just is like on his own. He feels like he's way older. Yeah, and I, yeah. I, I guess I'm a little bit like you can't have it all at the same time. You can't have like a 25. I think that's where the the story breaks down a bit, and you're just like, okay, he is not this age, but yeah. I'm going to forget about the fact yes. that they are now telling me he was 15 in the first season. Yeah, I'm just going to totally ignore that. Yes, and which I do. I love this show. Yeah, Sorry, I'm just. I want to keep enjoying the yeah. show. I'm not yes. going to think about that too much. Because that could drive you crazy. That's like the one thing when he comes back that third year and it's like, oh, now he's a senior. (laughs) (laughs) No way, man. The dude's literally like starting to bald. He's got, (laughs) he's losing his hair. (laughs) Oh my gosh. I, yeah. yeah. Anyway, big problems there, but again, again, I agree with you. You buy into the universe and then you're good. Watch the show, man. You'll love it. Yeah. Forget about that. Moving on. Um, what you and I both love coming of age stuff. And so what is it about coming of age that really grabs us? Is it nostalgia? Is it, I think it's nostalgia. I think it reminds you of something. Everyone kind of grabs a piece of something that reminds them of their childhood. And I think everyone, most everyone had, and now I'm going to get myself in trouble here, but if you, if you have fond memories of your childhood, stuff like this appeals to you uh-huh. because you want to, you know, you want to, you love reliving storytelling, um, getting, you know, together with your siblings and talking about, you know, different stories. But I feel like that's the thing. It connects you to a ha- a really happy time in your life where things were mm-hmm. simple and things, they just made sense. Um, Is there something about improving, reimagining the way you're oh, lived? Yes, for sure. I wish I lived or not even I wish, but just like. It sort of improves your memory of how good high school was. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Be- yeah. There's, I, I don't know what you would call that exactly, but you watch people having it's a like really good time. It's like revisionist history. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Revisionist history and remembering everything with rose colored glasses, I think yeah. is. Yeah. And th- that's the, that's the thing, <laughs> you know, you can tell your kids, you can tell stories and, you know, to your kids and you can be the best version of yourself at all times, you know, without, you know, 
Mm. And I don't consider that. I mean, I don't know. Not that I've, no, no, not that no, I've no, done no. that. I'm not like lying to my kids, but yeah, totally. I, you tell stories and, and you, you tell the best version of the story for sure. You know, what's super interesting about that. You just reframe the whole show for me in that this is not a literal, this is not literally what high school is like. This is like a 35 year old dude telling someone mm, the story of high school. Yeah. And that's exact that's exactly what this is. That's it's exactly what this looks like is someone's memory of high school, not high school. And to that point, if you remember back to when you were a freshman, the seniors seemed like giants. Uh-huh. Oh, uh-huh. Yep. And if I were to go back to a high school now and look at the seniors, I'd be like, "What little shrimpy guys?" You know? Yeah. So I feel like that plays right into that. Yeah, I mean, like I, so I often jog uh, near our high school football complex. Yeah. So, like, I'll drive down there, and when I'm driving out, I'm like, <laughs> these guys don't look like football players. Let me just get the worship team together real quick and let's <laughs> play some flag football. <laughs> we might be able to beat Thomas Worthington. They're they're uh, coming back. That's a that's, right. that's a great. I love that perspective. I yeah. love that. I yeah, I hundred percent like agree. Oh, huh. you do? You like your own idea? It was more your idea. Well, I, it was it was it was me listening. I'm just saying I'm not I was more saying I like that you made me think that. Not no. not I was not taking credit for anything there. Uh okay. Uh does uh is this dedication to high school football really cool or really sad? It's tragic, and I think it I think that mm. is what there's a line that Tim tells Matt Saracen. It really like if if you just yeah. take the character of Tim Riggins. He says, go to state, play your best, and leave it all in the field because it never gets better than that. Let it go. That, yeah. that, to me, is the saddest line in the show. And when he leaves his cleats on the on the mm-hmm. field the last time. Mm-hmm. That, to me, is heartbreaking. Yeah. You know, because in this town, they the, the way they build up these these football players, they're gods in this town. There's, there's another line, a, a character that you meet later on asks Tim, what was it like to be Tim Riggins? You know, and and what she means was, what was it like to be the star of the football team that went yep. to state? And and he was like, I'm still Tim Riggins, but yep. I, I feel like in many ways that is the end of the street. That is the end of the road for for some of these guys. And then it's like, it that part is very sad. That part is very sad. I think on the flip side of that, I love the way the town comes around uh, the school and the sports. And I think it would be really cool to have the support of like the whole town, but the result of that is, is definitely, definitely tragic. We've sort of been fair with this show, but I feel like we've, we've made some jokes about some things that are not great, but still you, we've, we keep coming back to you and I really like this show. Uh So I wonder if you want like one final chance, I'll take one in a second, but do you want one final chance? Just like, what do you, what was it about this show that you really loved? Why is it such a good show and why is it worth watching? Yeah, you connect with the characters is is, mm-hmm. re- is really the best way to put it. You form this bond and you you love these characters. I think that's why I may not have said this on the res- on the recording yet, but I actually didn't love the first season that much. It helped really lay some good groundwork, but I liked I ended up liking some of the later seasons which were easily much messier seasons as uh-huh. far as like the story goes. Mm-hmm. I ended up liking some of those seasons more because I had this really strong connection with the characters. And I think the, the show goes from like a lot of characters in season one, it gets kind of whittled down and it gets like more streamlined. And I think at the end it's Eric and Tammy and Tim. Yeah. 
and that's what you care about. And I feel like it just, it leaves, I don't know. It leaves you in this, like, for me, it was like this bittersweet, somber, I don't know, but it was really beautiful at the same time. So that was a very long uh, answer to your no, question. No, that's great. But, that's but great. I, I'm yeah. And I agree with you. I'm going to sort of, I'm basically going to talk about the same thing you talked about. I'm just going to say it in a slightly different way because I think there's, I agree with everything you said. And I would add to that. I think there's probably the sweet spot of the show is this community you get to watch that you're sort of jealous of, oh, which is yeah. funny because we talk about how like they, they basically have all their lives, their priorities in life are kind of out of order and like football is way too important to everyone and yeah. it sets everybody up for, but the thing that you watch that you're super jealous of is this community uh, of people that like, I mean, we literally watch ev- like, I mean, we've talked about how intense the drama is in this show. They throw everything at you. They yeah. throw ev- like everything melts down and still everybody's pretty much willing to forgive and work through their issues. And you see their care for one another, uh, just keep growing and growing and growing. And the show's supposed to be about football, which has nothing to do with those sorts of things, but it is like, there's the team on the field and then there's the team in the community and the team in the community, like is really there for each other through it all. Mm-hmm. And so I think we're sort of jealous of a community that is like that in sort of like a sandlot way or so you know it's it's very small town so the equivalent of like playing baseball on july 4th uh, under the fireworks and also then like everybody goes back to drink beer on the football field uh, Mm -hmm. like uh, when something significant happens you know like this community is really there for each other and there's a lot of love in this show so is it about football? Yeah, but I actually think it's about the community and the love for the oh, people. Yeah. So it's really fun to watch and inspiring to watch. Yeah, absolutely. All right, Brandon, are you ready to sell me on a show I yep. have not seen? I am. I've got a big one for you here. All right. This is this is a this is a favorite. Actually, really? it may not be a okay. favorite from people who listen to this podcast. I I don't know. It is uh it is one that uh, my wife and I watch every year. It's one of the few that like we really get excited about watching kind of um and it's it's totally <laughs> fine to have on kind of like with the kids running around. I think that's a big thing. Is it's not something we have to like wait until everyone's dead asleep to mm-hmm. flip on. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm talking about Downton Abbey and I know I got some eye rolls. I got some groans. It's a period drama. So right up your alley. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. No. And cause you, you love period dramas. It, uh, it follows a, like a, I guess like a lesser Royal like family. Like a Duke or a Duchess. L- yes, Lord. Something yeah. like there's, there's yeah. a term it's, it's eluding me at the moment, yes. but, um, they are the, uh, caretakers and, um, they, li- they live in this very grand home and he is he is an an earl and his wife is a, a duchess and it's about their family and then the people that work for them and it takes place kind of like actually i think in the first episode the titanic had just gone down mm. so really early 1900s um and it is another very heartwarming i think it's actually a great one to pitch while we're talking about friday night lights it's very heartwarming you really get connected to the characters character driven show lots of over the top drama. They love, they love throwing that at you too. It's a BBC show. Originally, Mm -hmm. you know how the Brits are. Anyway, I highly recommend this. I I don't know that I highly recommend it to you, Anthony, but I would kind of to the broader, uh, to the listener. Just it's, it's, I think it's one that just wouldn't fire very, very hard for you, but I think it, um, it is a good one 
to maybe bring you and your spouse together uh, and watch because um, it's it, yeah, it does appeal kind of a wide appeal. So yeah, interesting. Okay, I mean the thing I've realized lately is I trust the BBC a lot. Yeah, you know, <laughs> it's a, like the I haven't ever seen a BBC show a BBC show I didn't like. So yeah, because um, there's like Sherlock and Luther, and them I mean, they got a lot of good stuff. They I haven't I haven't ever seen Luther. Oh. So you just wasted a quick hit, but um. Uh, Peaky Blinders, which we'll get to here later this season. And, yeah. And even Peaky Blinders is a period. You made that period joke because we've talked about, I text you as soon as I started Peaky Blinders. I was like, <laughs> I hate like early 1900 period pieces. Industrial and that's where revolution. Just everything yes, feels uh, dirty. And di- yeah. 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 And I, I just did not like it, but then I, you know, I really, really liked Peaky Blinders. And so that fact makes me more open to trying good and also your description of it is i i don't know what i thought it was but i thought it was sort of a and i don't know what bridgerton is and i don't know what you know like pro i, I thought it was more of Bridgerton's like a pro, quite a bit more salacious i think yeah uh, yeah, yeah okay anyway. and is it, is it like pride and prejudice yeah yeah but that's even that's super like a that's just a love story sure yeah, top yeah. to bottom this is not yeah. th- this is like the 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 west wing version of of pride and prejudice or something, but, um, kind of like the behind the scenes, uh, um, uh-huh. houses of Lords and ladies. And anyway, it's yeah. Cool. It's very good. All right. My pitch for you, uh, this popped in my head all of a sudden, and I didn't, I didn't even check with you. Have you seen black mirror? Any of I, black mirror? Okay. I so my, not. my pitch is black mirror. And here's the thing. Black mirror has been around for a while and I don't remember how many seasons there are total. I haven't even seen all the seasons cause I came to black mirror late. I think there's three newer seasons. So literally I think there was like, sorry if I get this wrong, but I think there were like four or five seasons of black mirror, like 10 years ago. Then Within like the last five years, there have been three new seasons and there was like a gap of something like five to seven years or something like that. So the Black Mirror episodes I've seen are all the newer ones. And the way that kind of works where that is okay and uh, I didn't miss anything is because basically this is a set of skits, um, sort, sort of skits. Every episode is its own thing, Um, but it's basically the characters um, change, right? Every Every, every time yeah okay, it's yeah. the story is I not thought. the story is not consistent at all none of the episodes have anything to do with each other their connection is it's sort of not very much horror but more like science fiction and basically commentary on modern culture um so it has these look like listen if you watch one and you don't like it you can probably give up um because it's it's um, give me the hard sell right now no, no no i think you'll like it like if you like a show about a demon you know that's in upside down that tries to eat i was people. gonna say are you pitching me a science fiction show right now are you doing that well the thing is it's more commentary on modern culture and so like there's gotcha every single one of them is going to make you really think it's very artfully done, but really make you think about modern culture. So Mm. one, one of the episodes is like a society that's built around the idea that your status in society is based on like your rating on social media. Mm -hmm. So however many people like you or follow you, you're a higher tier in society. And then what happens if like, it's like a commentary on like social media, cancel culture, like all these different things at the same time. Gotcha. And so they just do it really, really well. And the, I can't say anything about the earlier season, but the more recent seasons I've enjoyed almost everything. And then the really nice thing is just, I tr- I generally trust their commentary, but there are episodes where like, if I'm getting into the episode and it's just not hitting me, shut it off and go to another one. Uh, oh, because nice. there's, okay. there's some, you know, because they're literally not related at all. That, so you that's may interesting. 
There are certain episodes I love, and there are certain episodes that are like, yeah. Okay, you got any quick hits for me? What have you been watching lately? I just started The Boys. I feel like I'm quite a bit late on that. Now, remind me what The Boys are. The Boys is on Prime, and it's the basically, it's kind of a making fun of DC and Marvel. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like the super over the top. It's it's actually kind of a, it's a really rough watch. It's actually very, very graphic. So I don't know that I would recommend it to just everyone. But so you and I are just really going through all the shows we don't recommend, but sort of recommend. <laughs> I don't know why. It, I don't know. I well, that's what I'm watching right now. So yeah, sure, uh, yeah, yeah. It's it's yeah. a it's a rough watch. I would definitely maybe do a little research before I went charging into this one. But um, <laughs> it's pretty funny. Um, I I like it so far. But yeah, it is. It's got some stuff that's it's pretty gory. It's like the way a 15 year old boy. <laughs> Thinks thinks about like thinks gore should be happening. I don't know. It's just like it doesn't oh, always. Like, it, yeah, uh-huh. it doesn't always seem like it really earns the gore. So maybe it's like maybe that's part of the commentary side of it. Mm. And, like it just feel like it just feels over the top and dark. And anyway, um, not sure I did that show any favors, but uh, the <laughs> well, other you're one, right. This is not recommendations. This is just what we're watching. You're right. <laughs> the other one I. Uh, house of dragon just there's one episode h on hbo right now which um, which by the way if you don't know this is the prequel to game of thrones so strong first episode i oh, would nice. say i nice. i have not looked at a single piece of critic anything or talked to anyone really i our, our friend jesse i we honestly yeah. i missed a call from him and then he missed a call from me but that uh-huh. was literally we haven't talked about it i thought it was good yeah this could be a good show it could be really good i mean i hope it learns from you know, the way yeah. Game of Thrones ended. And, ended, and, yeah. Anyway, so. I mean, that's my, that's my. So, backstory on me. I read Game of Thrones, the books, before the Ooh. show came out. Loved the books. Right. But then um, I hated how it ended. And oh, it just, yeah. like, took all the wind out of me. Uh, so, you're not ready to trust again. Yeah, no. It's it's really hard for me. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. My quick hits, I, they're, mine are kind of boring. I, well, I watched so many, I watched so much Piggy Blinders. Which is oh yeah, di- which is difficult. All I mean by that is it's a intense watch. It's so a heavy, like it wears yeah, it's a heavy watch. Yep. But I will say I've, I'm current on Hard Knocks, which this season is sort of boring. I watch Hard Knocks every year, but this this season's not the best. It's not my favorite. Uh, but I'm current on that. I've been watching it lately. Um, I will say, man, I'm gonna probably I'm gonna mention this like every every week. But Reservation Dogs this season is so good. It is I've discovered just, something. What? I won't be able to watch that until I have to. Why? It's not a show that clicks with me just naturally. It's interesting. Not. I ended up loving it. Yeah. I tried to start it. And I couldn't. Honestly, it might be more enjoyable to wait till they're all out and yeah. then watch them all. I'm, I'm going to watch them as they come out, but it might be more enjoyable. But like there's two episodes this season that are just, just as good as any of the best episodes last season. There, and, and like maybe even better. There's two episodes that are so good. And then there's the, there's not a bad episode yet, but there's just like a couple really, really good heartfelt slash funny episodes. And it's just really hitting right again, which I love. I just love that it, it came right back and it's it's punching again. So good. And then I just wanted to quickly whine about sports on television. It's driving me insane. It feels like it's getting worse. Things are blacked out. Things are not all on the same channel. So you can't reasonably buy like baseball they have baseball games on apple on friday night so you can't watch those games even if you buy the channel that the baseball games are on or like you know well for me like soccer like blackout is ridiculous they need to do something about it and i just want to keep saying it it's driving so you're me talking, insane 
you're talking cross sports right now, right? Not just baseball because yeah, baseball is a real SOB like ML- yes. MLB major league baseball, the, the organization, they are terrible. This is, which we've are, whined about this before. So I feel bad bringing it up, but I just want to keep but you're, saying, but you're, I'm just saying now you're talking about you're, no, literally you have problems the, with other sports too. Yes. So the other day I was out at a place called Buckeye Lake and which is about, I think it's about 45 minutes from Columbus. So I started watching the crew game on my phone. Didn't know it was blacked out. I was watching it on my phone. Worked fine. Buckeye Lake. The whole drive home, I watched it while Leah was driving. Got home and I didn't. And then I tried to turn it on on my TV and shut my phone off and it was blacked out on my TV. And then I had shut my phone off. So I couldn't get it back. It was blacked out on my phone when I tried to reopen it. But apparently because I had logged in when I was far away, it worked the whole way home. And if I wouldn't have shut it off, I would have been all right. But are you kidding me? What is the point of that? What is the point of me not being able to turn it on at home? That was on ESPN Plus, which I pay for. I wasn't even like trying to skirt any rules. I pay extra money for ESPN Plus because some soccer games are on that. And I couldn't even watch it because it's blacked out. But it wasn't on Bally's. I'm actually really curious about this. I mean, maybe we can have this off mic, but like I actually want to know. I want to get to the bottom of this because well, I the, have to, the idea with blackout is it's all these other places are blacked out. Like a thing like MLB TV is blacked out in your area because they cannot provide, like they can't take away customers from the main from valleys from the main, what used to be Fox sports Yes, from the main thing that they have their contract with the reds have their contract with, but you're, but it sounds more like you're saying that they've just made it impossible to watch the game in that area. Yeah, well, so what what happened in this particular situation is I have I have my dad's cable password. So sometimes mm-hmm. I'll use that to tune into sports. But my dad lives further west than me. So he's in Red's area, Red's yeah. territory. Right. So his Bally's is Bally's, whatever that is, over by you guys. Yeah, it's and, not Great Lakes. It's the other one. Right. Yeah. Great Lakes is Guardians. Okay, yeah. But, but I, I cannot watch Guardians games on my dad's cable password because he has the other Bally's. Goodness so gracious. I d- currently am not watching Guardians games. I'll listen to them, and I'm thinking about getting DirecTV stream because they're doing so well, mm-hmm. just so I can watch the rest of the season. They'll let you but down at some point. So I'm sure they will. <laughs> I can't Liter- talk. I'm a Reds fan. I can't talk at all. I am literally not buying it because I know the moment I buy it, they will start doing poorly. <laughs> so, <laughs> so a, yeah. So anyway, what ended up happening was that if you're outside of the territory for this particular crew game, if you're outside of the territory, you can watch any MLS game on ESPN+. Plus. Once you move into the Bally's ter- territory, you're blacked out. The problem is normally crew games are on Bally's, both Bally's, because it doesn't really compete with, from a streaming perspective, it doesn't compete with baseball games, like whatever. So it'll be on both Bally's. This one was only on Bally's Great Lakes for some reason, which this I don't lunacy. have. It's almost like, oh, well, we've got all the, we've got everybody that lives in Columbus. We already know they're fans. We want to get everyone else to be a fan. So we'll let everyone else watch the, sh- watch the game, except the people who really want to watch it. I guess. Yeah. Uh, I mean, but, I mean, if you, if you had cable in Columbus, I, they just haven't, they're just so far behind is the problem. If you have cable in Columbus, you could have watched the crew game, but nobody has cable anymore. Like people right. don't have like, right. not yeah. nobody, plenty of people have cable, but, but it's certainly trending to where people don't have cable anymore. Right. Yeah. We need a modern solution. And well, I mean, so interestingly enough, I don't even, well, we probably haven't talked about this this summer. MLS announced every single MLS game next season is on Apple TV. Nice. That's there. They carry MLS. Now there are no blackouts. Wow. That's huge. 
Yes, it's massive. And they need Especially to go- since Apple TV Plus is affordable. Like it's not like you yes. have to pay 80 bucks a month for direct TV streams or whatever. Not only that, but th- I just feel like they're moving the right direction. Not only that, as a crew season ticket member, I can watch crew games on Apple TV Plus next year for free. Nice. I don't even have to subscribe. Like that is a little th- braggy though. That's a little braggy. It is a little braggy, but it's also that's how you take care of your customers. No, no, no. hundred percent. Yeah, hundred percent. And uh, like baseball just needs to really, really come around to this. I don't know what in the world they're doing. They must. They must make so much money off these TV contracts that they can't. Maybe. I but mean, they're dying. They are dying. Like why wouldn't well, you want more fans? Baseball is dying. They got to do something. That's a mess. I mean, happy for MLS. That sounds fantastic. I know that Apple TV Plus carries has carried a few like Friday night games um, throughout the season. So yeah. I wonder if I mean would, in a 162 be- game season, a couple games is not a big deal. But no. just the principle of it. Yeah. If you were to buy cable so that you could watch Reds games, and then oh, this one's sorry, this this one this particular one's on Apple TV. It's like, man, you should see Reds fans getting fired up when a game is on YouTube or Apple TV plus. I can't be paying for all that nonsense. I'm like, what What are you paying for now that you're able to watch the whole season except the six bucks a month for Apple TV plus or With your free on YouTube. $120 cable package. <laughs> oh man. They love to get angry about stuff. Well, sure. Yeah, that's fair. We should probably stop. We should be, yeah, we probably should stop. That does it for this episode of Good Show. Good Show is created, recorded, edited, and produced by Anthony Mako and Brandon Sharp. Our theme music was written and recorded by me, Anthony, and all our graphics and socials are developed by Brandon. If you've enjoyed your time with us, please make sure to like or follow us on your favorite podcast platform so you never miss an episode. And if you appreciate our show, please throw us a rating and a review there too. If you'd like to discuss any of our content, you can search The Good Show Facebook group or follow us on Instagram at The Good Show Podcast. Thanks again for listening and we'll see you next time.